Hello, everyone. This is Mike Epstein, and welcome to Speaking of the Arts. Today, we will be speaking with Ryan Andrews. Ryan is a Los Angeles-based composer, producer, sound designer, and performer. His work has been featured in theatrical advertising campaigns for films and video games such as Avengers, Age of Ultron, Furious 7, Hercules, and the Call of Duty series. A versatile performer, Ryan has had the privilege of working with a wide variety of acclaimed artists, including Broadway star Lauren Kennedy and country phenom Frankie Ballard. Ryan's experience in the music production world goes beyond composition. As production manager for Pitch Hammer Music, Ryan helps manage one of the industry's most elite boutique music libraries that has been featured in almost every blockbuster movie trailer campaign since, uh, since 2012. A graduate of Western Michigan University and the University of Miami in Florida, Ryan received 11 Downbeat Student Music Awards for his composing, performing, and production. And in 2012, he was awarded the ASCAP Foundation Young Jazz Composer Award. Ryan, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. When someone asks you what, what you do, what do you tell them? How do you respond to that question? Uh, it usually depends on, on who's asking. And, uh, yeah, it's um, kind of a multifaceted question. I, I think as a as a musician or composer today, you, you really have to have a, a wide variety of things you can draw from. So, I mean, if, if I'm talking to somebody who's, uh, you know, interested more in the performing aspect, I'll say, you know, I'm a, I'm a drummer and performer. Or if someone is looking for production work, you know, I'm a production or I'm a producer and composer. So, yeah, it really depends on, on who's asking, how I'm feeling. It's It's really kind of all different angles of the same thing these days. Very, very, very cool. So what describe sort of a typical daily routine if you have one. I mean what would what is what does that usually look like for you? Well, um usually I get up, have a, a good breakfast, because breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Um do a little bit of meditation and uh start working. Usually um I'm producing or composing, working on various various projects um most of the day, kinda like a nine to five or ten to six, whatever uh, the schedule is like that day whenever I get up and going. So it's pretty relaxed. I have the studio at home so I can work, do most of my work at home, which is nice. Um, and, yeah, sometimes I'll have rehearsals in the evening or uh, during the day and I'll have to run out for, for those or um, or gigs that I have to go. It kind of changes based on my calendar. Um, keeps things interesting. Sure, yeah, you'd have to be pretty adaptable to do what you're doing. Well, tell yeah. tell me the story of how you came to compose music for these major motion picture trailers. Well, it's kind of a funny story because, I mean, I, I moved to L.A. about three years ago, and maybe four years ago I had no idea that being a trailer music composer was even a thing. You know, I think like a lot of people, they think that trailer music is music from the movie, that they just take from the soundtrack and put into the trailer, but it's that's hardly ever the case. I mean, maybe some of the movies, you know, like some of the big uh, big franchises like Star Wars or Jurassic Park will draw from, you know, the, the classic John Williams scores or, or something like that, but most movies, especially for the teaser trailers, the score isn't even nearing completion, or sometimes they don't even have a composer on board yet. 
So they use um they use music specifically made for for the trailers. So uh, when I moved out to LA about three years ago, um, I, I did grad school at University of Miami. Did the Studio Jazz Writing Program, which is an excellent program. Uh, kind of covers all the bases: recording, engineering, production, and of course composition, a little bit of film scoring, uh, arranging for everything from uh, small groups to big bands to kind of, uh, we had this cool recording ensemble, which was kind of like a chamber jazz group, which was really fun to write for. Uh, so with that experience, came out to L.A. and um, was just kind of looking for work, didn't really know what I was going to do. I was looking to do some, you know, composition work, maybe film scoring, maybe video games, or um, library music, and it just so happened that some of the alums from the same program were really, uh, really prominent in the trailer music world. And so I got talking with them, and they kind of took me under my under their wing and uh, had me, you know, writing some some tracks for for trailer music libraries, and they were you know kind of helping me along the way because it's a very different aesthetic in trailer music than it is from say writing for a big band, you know. It's uh, maybe less nuanced, but in, in more nuanced in other ways. It's way more sound design based, way less harmonic and rhythmic content than you would get in a, in a jazz chart, per se. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of fell into that and getting these tracks in these, in these libraries, they got placed in some some pretty cool campaigns. So it was from the get-go, it was just kind of like, whoa, this is a, a cool thing that I can be doing. And I've been working on it for the last yeah, last three years, pretty much since moving out here. So I've been really fortunate to have that going. That's real, yeah, that's awesome. So can you maybe be a little bit um, specific for those who really are not aware, myself included, of what the actual process is like? So let's do... Um, the Avengers spot, for example. I mean, what 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 is the process like, sort of from start to finish, for something like that? Well, for that track, um, they actually just used a, a few, like a, a very short segment of one of my tracks, even just like a few sound sound effects or sound design elements um, from a couple of my of, of my tracks that they just kind of placed in there. So I, I uh, it's pretty relaxed working for music libraries. A lot of com- composition projects, film scoring, video games, you're working under a pretty tight deadline for uh, music library work, it's it's a lot more relaxed. Maybe you'll have a deadline, you know, like I need to get these, this many tracks done in this much time, you know, like a few months time or something. Um, but it's, it's pretty chill. You're not really under the gun at all. It's just kind of like, oh, I feel like doing this today. And, uh, yeah, maybe I'll work on it for a week or maybe it'll only take a couple days um, to get this track done. So, uh, yeah, worked on this track, finished it up. took me about a week to do. I was working with a friend of mine, Mark Dennis, who's um, he's also another incredible trailer music composer, has some really cool and innovative sound design uh, ideas. I'm sure you've heard his music, although you probably don't know as we don't get credited very often. Um which is fine. But uh so yeah, so this these tracks they get placed in these music libraries and they get published. It's a very kind of long term uh situation. So I'll write a track, you know, say I finish it today, 
it might not get published in the library for another three months, six months, a year. Depends on their release schedule and what, what they have going on. And then it can kind of sit in these libraries. The libraries will distribute all these tracks to uh, all their clients, music supervisors, editors, different production companies. And they'll have those those tracks there at their fingertips in case they need to use them for a certain trailer or a, a certain TV spot or something. You know, they say, oh, I need something that's kind of more action or has this certain kind of element to it. And um, so they can find those tracks in the libraries, put them into their trailers, and then and then use them. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of a weird concept, a weird process coming from you know the more traditional composition angle, where it's you know you don't really get commissioned too much anymore to to write a custom piece of music. All of that still happens, especially for uh, bigger budget movies. Um, you know, like a Transformers movie or Jurassic Park or something, the music supervisor will have in mind, okay, we want something, you know, written specifically for this. And that's how it used to be maybe 10, 15 years ago. But more and more, it's just um, drawing from these music libraries for their for their music. So then it gets placed and the music gets licensed and there you go. Sometimes I don't even know that the music gets placed in a trailer until I see it myself. <laughs> well, I was going to ask. So, so when you work on a track like that, it's way before the fact. In other words, you're not necessarily aware of what it's going to be used for. Is that? Am I hearing you correctly? Yes, generally. Okay. Unless it's unless it's a custom job, usually. Okay. So, like in the case of the Avengers, you worked on the sound, uh, the sort of sound design aspect for that, or the track. I mean, and then didn't know it was going to be for that movie, and then later on they used part of that. Is that what happened? Exactly, yes. Got it. And just for our listeners, when you say sound design, what does that mean exactly? Uh, so that, that can have a variety of meanings. Sometimes it's, you know, like the Foley kind of sound design. Usually in, in trailer music we do kind of more compositional or musical sound design. Um, and, and trailers you'll find a lot of these aspects. If you listen to some trailers, you hear a lot of rises. Um, you know, you take like an orchestra or a synth and you kind of start at the lowest note and you end at the highest note and just kind of like glistening the whole way up, like those big rises. They're in pretty much every trailer now. Or those um, those bass drop descender things that are, you know, like the... Right. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. You've, you've heard it a million times in all these trailers. Or, uh, you know, whooshes, like the those kind of things, big hits. They're they're big in trailers these days, kind of all over the place. And in and in modern music as well, EDM production uses a lot of sound design. Um, yeah, it's starting to be, you know, more about the the tam timbral aspects of these sound effects and sound design elements that um that kind of make uh, music styles what they are today. It seems like. Interesting. Who, who would you say some of your mentors in the industry are, or who, who has influenced your composing for these trailers? Uh, for trailer music, um, Vagar Margerson is, is probably the biggest influence on um, on me. You've heard his music, I'm, I'm sure, dozens of times. His music has been featured in hundreds of trailers by now, I, I think. Uh, he's been in the in the business for I mean, the last 10, 12, 
15 years, something like that. And, um, yeah. And it was, the, it was, uh, not to cut you off, but it was Vagar Margeson. Vagar Margeson, yeah. His Icelandic name. Uh, and what would be just a few things that I would have heard that he had done? Uh, one of his tracks was in the, um, the Zoolander 2 trailer. <laughs> oh, cool. I just saw that the other day. <laughs> he was one of the guys, uh, back maybe, was it 12, 13 years ago? They, um, they rearranged that, uh, that theme from Requiem for a Dream for uh, like a big epic orchestra and choir. Uh, they called it Requiem for a Tower, and that was, I think, one of his big first major, major projects, and that's been used, you know, many, many, many times. It's it's overused at this point. Uh, compositionally, another big influence of mine is um, Lyle Mays, who's uh, been kind of a compositional mentor to me, um, from the end of grad school through uh, through grad school and um, and beyond, he's uh, helped me out a, a lot. Really, really, really nice guy. Really gracious. Really generous with his um, vast pool of of knowledge and everything. He's a really great guy. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't remember it, but I got to meet him when I was an undergrad. He did a workshop um, at Indiana, and yeah, I would say the same thing. He was very. It was just really, really neat to have someone with that much experience and perspective kind of share how he approaches composition it was a it was definitely an eye-opener i enjoyed it a lot oh yeah yeah he's he's a genius in in many different ways and really really good at relating that knowledge as well it's helped me out um considerably and uh made my my compositional process or my, my compositions way more mature and uh yeah, he's he's the man, pretty much. So I want to go back to um, sort of the work you're doing with the theatrical campaigns, but I want to have you compare it to your experience doing the music for video games. What, what are the main differences, if any, when you produce these sound effects, sound design tracks for theatrical campaigns as compared to video games? Uh. So I actually haven't haven't scored too many video games myself. Uh, a lot of the tracks that I've written for libraries have been used in campaigns for these video games. Um, I've done a few film score projects that haven't really gone too many places, unfortunately. But um, but yeah, there's there's definitely some differences in in all of those. Uh, in film scoring, you know, you, you generally have like a picture there, or in video games, more and more these days. They're way more secretive, and so they won't even give you a picture. They'll give you, you know, like concepts of different levels or different characters or different moods or something, and you're kind of you need to write something, some kind of programmatic piece that embodies that. Um, in, the, in film score, either you know the, the picture, the subtext, what's going on, or in the um, the video game, you know, the kind of mood of, of what they're after for this particular piece. And then for for trailers, it's really a lot more open ended. Um, you know, I could say, oh, okay, I want to do a collection of of action tracks or something. And so you've you've got this pretty wide um, wide genre of you know action trailer music and a lot of different things that you could do in there. So it's really really open ended. Or I could say I want to do more of a kind of tension sound design track or a horror track or or something like that. So it's it's a lot less direction 
because you, you don't really know what specific trailer or TV spot or internet campaign or, or what have you that it's going to be placed in. So it's just kind of, you know, write as, as much stuff as you can and as, as wide a variety of styles as you can and try and cover all your bases, you know. Do you have a preference for one or the other? Or is it just fun to to take on the challenge of either? Well, as a as a drummer, I've found that um, the kind of percussion based tracks are are sort of my forte. Like the the big heavy epic drum action tracks are uh, I kind of gravitate towards that sound. But I have a lot of fun trying to do you know kind of sweeping epic orchestral things as well, or more dramatic emotional things. Um, more of a it's more of a challenge for me um but it's it's fun and the uh the kind of the flexibility of the schedule you know if i want to try something new and i want to take some some time to to get it right and you know if it takes you know a week or two to to get it right and i have that time that's that's totally fine or i can you know pump out another percussive action track in you know a day or two or something depending on on what's the uh what the schedule is like pretty flexible. I, I have no complaints. No, that's great. What What is Pitch Hammer Music, and, and how did you get involved with it? So Pitch Hammer Music was started uh, about three years ago, right before I got to L.A., fortunately. It was pretty fortunate timing um, by uh, Vegar, who I mentioned earlier, and um, his business partner, Brian Brazier. And they're, um, they're kind of a boutique, kind of trailer-only library they they market more towards the the trailer music side of things whereas some of these larger music libraries are kind of you know they got stuff for trailers stuff for tv stuff like kind of more of a variety of things some of these libraries will have you know hundreds of thousands of tracks in there and so pitch hammer is more of a smaller boutique library we only do really high quality tracks um, from experienced trailer music composers and um, so there's a bit of a, a premium with that because, um, you know, trailer music, the the whole world of it is very kind of trend-based. Like you'll hear a certain trailer that catches people's ear and pe- there will be a buzz about it. And they're like, ooh, that, that track was really cool or that trailer was, was really cool. And it had that, that one scream effect that was, you know, really cool. And then all of a sudden you'll hear that copied everywhere. And then something new will come along, and all of that that first effect will go away, and you know you'll have something new. So, for example, like Prometheus, that trailer, if you remember it, it had kind of this really distinct screaming kind of sound design element in it, which was really cool. But then you started to hear that everywhere. Or recently, you've got these um, these tracks, which are really simple, just kind of like high piano notes. And they kind of create a tense atmosphere. And once you heard that, all of a sudden it started popping up in almost every TV spot or trailer that you'll see. And that's starting to go away now. But, um, yeah, there's always something new to kind of take its place. And so Pitch Hammer is trying to be on the um, on the front end of those trends. Like we'll, we'll create, instead of, you know, following the trends, we'll try and create the trends with those. Um, so yeah, it's, it's got a really good reputation, um, for, you know, being premium quality trailer music. 
which is it's really cool to be a part of. Sounds like such a good idea for especially how um, just prolific and, and I don't know, content-based everything is in terms of movies. Trailers are watched by so many people all day because they're, they're the perfect sort of bite-sized content. So I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. It, it yeah, sounds really like, Sorry? Yeah, I, I was just going to say, Pitch Hammer Music, it, I mean, it just sounds like such a great idea for meeting this need right now. Yeah, it really came along at a, a, the right time as well. I mean, with the Internet and everything, trailers are, are more popular than ever right now. So they're, what is your – yeah, sorry, I didn't oh, mean to – yeah, they're, making, they're making trailers for trailers now. You'll, a couple of days before a new teaser is released, you'll see, you know, like a little – 10 second spot like coming in two days the teaser trailer like okay <laughs> yeah you know I'm, it's I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because i i noticed that um the other week for the new ghostbusters movie it was what i thought was going to be the trailer for it but it's exactly what you just said it was just a still image <laughs> with music <Yeah. laughs> and i, I maybe i've seen something like that yeah, it's amazing. It's like maybe I'd seen something like that before, but I didn't really pay attention. But oh uh, yeah, that I don't know if I uh, if I want to own up to watching trailers for trailers. <laughs> yeah, and I mean they're they're starting to become kind of works of art in and of themselves now. A lot of people are you know watching trailers and writing reviews of the trailer, which is it's pretty interesting. Yeah. So what what is your would you say is your sort of current role at Pitch Hammer Music and what are some projects you're currently working on if you're allowed to talk about them? Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of responsible. I've been working part time for Pitch Hammer the last couple years, two and a half years. Um, I'm now their their production manager. It's a small small company, um, so I'm kind of responsible for taking the uh, the finished content, you know, like the tracks. They'll get composed. We have a, a mastering engineer who'll master them. So I have these raw audio files, and I'm kind of responsible for getting them where they need to go to all of our different clients, um, which is a, kind of a process, mostly because of uh, metadata, which is probably the most boring subject you could ever talk about. Um, and But it's really important in music libraries, you know, making sure that everybody's properly credited, that you know, even titles are correct and spelled correctly and that all of this information gets formatted in the correct way to get to the right people and to get used in all these different systems because there's no agreeing on what format of metadata to use. Anyway, it's really boring. But, um, but yeah, it's really interesting. I, I get to work with uh, some clients, um, talk with different editors and music supervisors if somebody – you know, needs a certain track and they're they're looking for a certain kind of sound, we can provide them with, uh, you know, a selection of, from our library of, of stuff that we think would fit for what they're looking for. And, yeah, just kind of work like that. Sounds it's great. Fun. Yeah. It's cool seeing, seeing kind of both sides of the uh, trailer music world, both the um, the production side and then also kind of like, you know, the, the business and, and uh, product delivery side. Right. You know, I was thinking um, sort of as a, I guess you want to call it career path, the last episode that we did featured a mutual acquaintance, Mark Plotkin. And yeah. during that episode, I uh, pointed out that Mark had made a career of both uh, performing and also 
creating value and businesses in the music industry, and you seem to be taking a very similar entrepreneurial approach to career, to, to your career. So I'm kind of curious, was that a conscious choice or, you know, how it all came about or what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it was a conscious choice. I mean, you, you kind of have to have an entrepreneurial spirit in today's music industry or else, you know, you're, you're not going to make any money. Um, you really have to find a way to create value in your art and uh, be able to, you know, somehow market that and get it to people who are willing to, you know, pay for that, uh, that created value. Um, yeah, I think uh, one of the, the major things that was missing from uh, my college education was kind of the, the business side of, of being a musician and a composer and an artist. You learn, you know, all the craft and everything. Like I can, you know, I know how to, write orchestral music or a big band chart, but you don't really know how to turn that into a job. You don't know how to make a living off of that. So I took a, um, a year between uh, undergrad and grad school, and um, I just kind of tried to swallow as much information on business as I could, on being um, kind of, you know, like an entrepreneur, um, you know, being able to kind of start and maintain your own business, being able to market yourself and um, sell your product. And I think that was that was really important for uh, for kind of my career trajectory. Made a really conscious decision, you know, like I want to be an artist, but I don't want to be a starving artist. I want to be able to make music that, you know, has value and gets gets heard and gets used and that I can get paid for. And you really kind of have to create that niche or find that niche in today's music world because there there are plenty of people that can just put out really great stuff, really great music, but if you don't find a way to to get it to the right people or or get it um have it making money for you, it's it'll just be there and be great music, but nobody's gonna really pay for it or go out of their way to uh to listen to it or view it or consume it. Yeah, and it sounds like um, whatever you did in that year off really has started to pay off because you're clearly um, in a in a good environment now where you're able to sort of build on those aspirations and and uh, continue to do what you want to do. Yeah, definitely. Just uh, still getting started here. Um, still lots of lots of opportunities out there. Trying to um, yeah, trying to to grow and expand every every day, every other project that I do, try and branch out to new things and, yeah, continue and keep that, um, I think maintaining that entrepreneurial spirit through all of those different projects is important or else, you know, that it can, it's really important for the survival of that project and for creating other opportunities, I think. I totally agree. And, you know, I was just reading this interview with the drummer Matt Chamberlain. and. Yeah. I'm not sure if you if you know him or you know, but, but a lot of the stuff you're oh, yeah. describing in in your day to day work just reminds me of what I was reading about and how he a lot of his work just simply comes from recording um, in his case drum tracks live and then having uh, and I wish I could remember the name of one of the um, studios he was working for. It wasn't obviously he's worked directly with a lot of huge artists, but this was specifically talking about 
the name of this um, uh, studio that was recording samples, basically, and yeah. having yeah, and having him come in and do it live, and um, just a lot of the stuff you're describing sort of reminded me of that. Yeah, that's a. I've seen more and more drummers come out with stuff like that, you know, like Eric Harlan drum sample packs or, uh, yeah, Matt Chamberlain. Uh, a lot of guys will, will do that now. Or if they have, you know, kind of a home studio set up or even, a, you know, a access to a studio set up, less and less stuff is happening in these major recording studios. If someone needs a, a drum track, you know, they'll send it to a drummer and they'll just record it at home and send it back. But even then, you know, you have to treat that as a small business. You know, they've got different clients, you invoice them for your work, you got to, you know, promote yourself and create a quality product. Um, so, yeah, this, it's it's really all about kind of creating yourself, your art, and uh, maintaining that, that business. Absolutely. That who, yeah, who, a, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, who are, who are you um, currently listening to in terms of other artists that have really influenced your performing and, and maybe even composing? Oh, man, there's a, there's a lot. Uh, so in, in, in college and in grad school, I was deep into the jazz world, you know, like um, all that stuff is incredible. I mean, Lyle Mays, Pat Metheny Group, um, Billy Childs, just incredible compositional stuff. Um, Thad Jones, Maria Schneider. I was, you know, heavy into all that stuff. But since since moving into L.A. and kind of so um, getting into trailer music and more of the sound design and production of everything, I've really been trying to dig into that side of composition as well, checking out a lot of um, electronic producers, um, film scoring, uh, you know, uh, film composers. I mean, John Williams has always been one of my favorites. But also, I mean, love him or hate him, Hans Zimmer has kind of changed the business. And... Uh, is the way that he sculpts sounds or the way that his minions sculpt sound. However, it's, however it happens. Um, that's all. It's, it's very trend setting and it's, um, I think it's worth diving into. Same with a lot of, um, electronic producers and hip hop production. I mean, um, the new Kendrick Lamar record has still been blowing my mind. I guess it's not new anymore. He just came out with a newer one. Um, but, uh, it's a tempo butterfly and kind of the marriage of, jazz and fusion with you know hip hop and all that flying lotus is another really cool one um and even you know like uh even calvin harris and some of that stuff just even modern pop production just paying attention to you know how does this kick drum pop so well and how are they using you know these noise sweeps to kind of create a uh create drama in the track instead of you know instead of using different rhythmic ideas or, you know, changing the harmonies up to really create interest in drama. They're doing it through, uh, through more timbral effects, which I think is really interesting. So I've been trying to check more and more of that stuff out. That's awesome. Yeah. I, um, Hans Zimmer has certainly shaped or I guess changed the way film, uh, people think about movie soundtracks and, um, you know, I, I definitely enjoy a lot of the stuff that he writes and um I'm always amazed too at you know, if you go back even further, um, way before Batman or anything like that, he's he's really been on the scene for a long time. <laughs> oh yeah. Um 
what was what is it like over 120 film scores something like that it's amazing it's pretty incredible yeah i mean it's not just him obviously he's got you know his whole talk about you know being an entrepreneur he's he's as good of a business manager and and uh and businessman as he is composer i think i don't suppose you know him uh no i don't i've I know <laughs> a few people who've worked with him and you know there's there are horror stories and there's also stories of like yeah i got got to respect him you know he's got he's he's changed the game for better or for worse yeah no as we're talking i was just thinking it'd be cool to have him on the show and Thought it wouldn't hurt to ask yeah. if you did know him. <laughs> yeah, he would be, be a cool guy to have on the show for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Ryan, this has been really, really great. What's the best way for someone to get in touch with you for everybody listening? Uh, you can uh, shoot me an email, ryanandrews at me.com, or uh, check out my website, ryanhandrews.com. Ryanhandrews.com. Yeah. And I will say for everybody listening, definitely go to the website because I love the simplicity of the layout. Um, you can check out the work that Ryan has done, some of these theatrical um, film spots that we're talking about. They're all up there, and uh, I would encourage people to check it out. So definitely do that. Um, and, yeah, I, again, Ryan, I want to thank you for your time, and this has been really great. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Sounds good. We'll take care. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks again. Okay. Bye. Bye.